welcome to another episode of Daybreak Crypto. You're here with Mike and Greg, and we've got some uh, good articles to chat with you guys about today. I'm starting off, and my article is Yellen reaffirming the need for stablecoin regulation following the UST crash. So she was in a hearing yesterday in front of the Senate Banking Committee on the Financial Stability Oversight Council Annual Report to Congress. And she said that it would be highly appropriate to aim for a consistent federal framework on stable coins by the end of 2022, given the market growth over the last few years. What's in- interesting is Yellen specifically mentioned UST, stating a stable coin known as Terra USD experienced a run and had declined in value. I think it simply illustrates that this is a rapidly growing product and that there are risks to financial stability and we need a framework that's appropriate. She followed that up by stating that passing stablecoin legislation is important, even labeled it as urgent. And it's also noteworthy to add that back on April 9th, Yellen mentions a stablecoin had lost its peg during the May 2021 crash. And while she didn't cite UST directly, it was the only stablecoin to drop below $1 during the correction. So as we kind of got into yesterday on the podcast, UST is defined as an algorithmic stablecoin, which is not backed by cash or securities as is traditional in most stablecoins. Another thing we covered yesterday on the pod, but it's kind of gotten a little bit worse overnight. The price of a single UST dropped as low as 30 cents last night, uh, at least from what I could see. And the the Fed mentioned on Monday in its financial stability report that the increasing use of stable coins to meet margin requirements and leverage crypto trades may heighten redemption risks, which almost seems like too on the nose for exactly what happened preceding it on Tuesday and Wednesday. But I mean, in my opinion, to some extent, it really is important for an algorithmic stable coin to exist in order for DeFi to reach its full potential. Like there are back stable coins like Tether and USDC that are at risk of censorship and seizures. And as long as there's money in a bank account being used to back it, it's not really bolstering the value and something law enforcement or regulators can go after and seize. So I definitely understand and I'm here for, you know, what Terra and Luna and UST were fighting for. But it just seems like this is a a big old bump in the road that might take a little bit to figure out. But it's just interesting to me that, you know, Yellen's talking about stablecoin regulation. I saw some article released where it was stablecoins were mentioned 10 times in like a four paragraph article. So it's just interesting to see that, uh, you know, this came at this time when we know that most nations and countries are working on CDBCs and, um, you know, this could go a long way in changing the market, like the public sentiment that aren't really in the crypto world for whether they would be for CDBC or whether they would be against it. Greg, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think that, like you said, the timing's a little on the nose with this. Um, seems a little coincidental, but hey, I mean, you know, it's just, it could have been just a perfect storm of, I know they've been looking at stablecoin regulation for a while. And I think the big thing is that stable coins are one of the probably most um risky to the current financial system because they're something that can actually be used by everyday people like a lot of people they don't want to use you know bitcoin or ethereum to transact in everyday life but using a stable coin that's something that a lot of people could actually get behind so i think that this is proving a little more um of a threat to the current um financial you know, 
uh, what am I trying to say, the financial uh, system right now. And I think that they're doing what they can to try to regulate and eliminate outside threats before they start to launch their CBDCs and try to get their own stable coins out there so that people aren't using decentralized stable coins, but they're using this, you know, centralized um, government controlled coin instead. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, stable coins definitely changed the landscape more than anything else crypto has done, at least here in the United States, because obviously the U.S. dollar is used, you know, worldwide um, in trade and, you know, different areas. So having an algorithmic stable coin, which is something that is, you know, more or less brand new. And, you know, this is really, as far as I know, you know, one of the first, if not the first ones trying to do it that have grown to as big as it did. It's something that, you know, a lot of people traditionally, like, you know, with regular cryptos like BTC, Ether, those are just kind of seen as quasi traditional Wall Street, like the new Web3 of that. So it's more investment, but the stable coins, I mean, the governments have to have a plan. And like you said, you know, we're not being conspiracy theorists or saying, you know, the government is definitely behind this, but it no. is very opportunistic timing. And, you know, maybe they just waited for something like this to happen to try and bring this out, which, again, would be a great play if they're trying to get public sentiment positively behind CDBCs. But, um, you know, I think uh, Swiss brought up yesterday, but this is pretty comparable to what we saw in 2017, 2018 with Bitfinex and Tether. But back then, it was a regular stable coin and not algorithmic. So instead of, you know, bringing down one crypto by 95%, like we've seen with Luna, it brought down basically the whole crypto market by, I think, 40% in a couple of days. So, um, you know, while it's new, it's not something that, uh, you know, is completely out of the blue. There are bumps in the road for every project. But the fact that, you know, Terra is still fighting and defending the peg and, uh, the LFG, I think you would know more about what Doquan's doing, but they're still fighting. And, you know, I, I personally have faith that it'll regain its peg over time. I think it's going to, you know, take some time for, uh, you know, the Terra ecosystem to regain that, the legs that it did a couple of months ago, but nothing's impossible. And obviously, you know, we've seen projects come back uh, stronger than they were before because the devs just keep on building. Exactly. Well, and I think that's one thing with uh, an algorithmic stable coin is it's not going to snap back to one or even go back to one right away or quickly. It's something, mm -hmm. especially with such a big drop in the price, like it's, it's it might take a week or so for it to kind of stabilize and get back to the uh, get back to one dollar. And I mean, it's going to definitely I mean, the price of Terra or the price of Luna has already dropped to. I think it's around five bucks, maybe less right now. And it's probably going to keep dropping more as more and more Terra is printed to try to save the peg. And that's that's kind of how the system works. I mean, it sucks for holders of Luna because um, they're kind of bearing the volatility in order to try to return UST to the peg. And if if that even can happen, um, it's something that, yeah, it's going to it's going to take a concentrated effort over the next week or so to really try to get that back up to the peg. And like you said, I mean, there's so many builders and projects going on in Terra that I can't see those like just all ending, but at the same time, um, the market's definitely going to be a lot different going forward. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, 
that kind of rolls us into our next article about chain analysis. If you want to dive into that. Yeah. So, uh, my article is about, uh, a crypto forensic startup called chain, chain analysis. Uh, they raised $170 million at an $8.6 billion valuation. Um, chain analysis is a startup that provides crypto investigation and compliance services, which I think we're going to be seeing more and more of going forward. Um, they have secured 170 million in series F funding. Uh, this funding round was led by GIC, which is a sovereign wealth fund of Singapore, of Singapore. Um, the company, which is known for helping law enforcement, uh, to deal with illicit crypto activities. saw its valuation double from under 4 billion to 8.6 billion from its last round that they raised rose money in, uh, June. Um, so I think that there's going to be a lot more of these kind of fun or firms like Chainalysis that are going to be coming out that are going to be doing crypto investigation, um, blockchain research, compliances. Um, Chainalysis itself actually was credited with helping uh, journalist Laura Shin track down the suspect behind the ETH DAO hack in 2016 that involved the loss of 16 or $11 billion of Ether. So they, um, they've been around for a while. They're kind of, they've proven themselves. And I think that there's, you know, they've, they've gotten some big funding here. And I think there's going to be more kind of of these types of groups coming out as we see more compliance being applied to the crypto uh, sphere. How do you, or did you get a chance to read this article? What do you think about this? Yeah, I did. And this is kind of like, I brought up the Bitfinex in 2016, 2017, you know, where they stole 60 million from basically all mm -hmm. of the users at once. Um, that like, this is so needed in this space because this is basically what all of the legislation is aiming towards. It's just like consumer protection. So, you know, they helped with the EtherDAO, like you said, they helped with the EtherDAO hack, um, which I think that was when they had to fork into Ether and Ether Classic. But yes. like we recently talked about the Axie Infinity hack, which was major, major money. And then, you know, Qcoin back in 2020, Update got hit for 45 million in a single transaction in 2019. So like, I think that I am all for, you know, chain analysis is, <laughs> I, I don't know if their valuation is spot on at 8.6 billy, but, um, you know, they're doing good work and work that is definitely needed in this space. And I haven't seen any other crypto forensics group be mentioned as much as Chainalysis. I know that we've mentioned it multiple times here on the pod as a solid reference for what we're talking about. But um, yeah, well, I and mean, to speak to that uh, valuation, I mean, you look at if they were able to recover, I don't know what they were able to recover or if they were able to recover any of that $11 billion of Ether. But you think if they, a couple of those larger hacks, if they're able to recover some of that money, like even 50, 60% of that money, like, you know, that valuation could very well be worth it if they're able to, because a lot of this stuff is on chain. It's just a matter of being able to put together a, you know, definitive, um, whatever, a list or whatever, showing how the person actually did it and to be able to actually get that to law enforcement. Cause it's one thing to just say, Oh, I, you know, to look on the chain and see what happened, but to actually be able to prove it in a court of law is another thing. So to have, um, companies like this, I think is going to be invaluable for, 
law enforcement and government as much as I hate to say it. I mean, I think we need to have some sort of, we need to have some sort of uh, regulation and services like this that will help to get the bad actors because otherwise they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. Definitely. And I couldn't agree more. And yeah, I mean, the more companies that come out looking into, you know, forensics and the more, because right now I, I, I wouldn't say that I have a monopoly on it. I would, you brought up, you know, that valuation could definitely be spot on. I wonder how much of a cut they get on the funds that they recover, because I'm assuming like if you're reaching out to chain analysis, you're basically at zero dollars. So anything above that right. is considered good. So I wonder yeah, what their uh, percentage is. I may look into that a little bit later, but yeah, man, I, uh, you know, I think they said that this was their series F. So obviously they've been, you know, grabbing more and more money as they prove themselves, which is great to see, but yeah, I'm hundred percent here for it. And more, more of this so that we have less stringent and handholding from the government on, you know, regulations and what they're telling us to do, because as long as we have, you know, a certain amount of good actors looking out for us, I, uh, I just don't want the innovation to be shut down, especially in a bear market. Cause that's the one thing keeping people going. No. And I think that's, um, that's one thing that was mentioned at the end of this, um, article is that, some people were worried that the crypto crash might freeze funding, but it seems like their um, Cointelegraph reported that there was over $14.6 billion in funding in Q1. So, and that accounts for um, close to half of the total of last year's funding. So there's still money still being poured in. Hopefully, like you said, it's being directed to better projects now and more solid projects and things that are dealing with infrastructure and analysis and um, compliances so that we can kind of keep, yeah, keep this crypto train going. <laughs> Definitely. No, I couldn't agree more. Well, I think that uh, we're about up on time. So that about wraps it up. I appreciate you uh, coming on, Greg. That's another yeah, too, uh, episode of Daybreak Crypto in the Books. We'll see you tomorrow, Thursday, May 12th, uh, bright and early.